We come into this world innocent and full of light. At some point, we find ourselves broken. This podcast explores the journey back to wholeness, back to yourself, and back to the light. My name is Gina, and this is The Healing Being. Welcome, Ollie. Welcome to the Healing Being podcast. Uh, my name is Gina. You're going to be our guest being today. And uh, you are here today to talk to us a little bit about your spiritual journey, where you come from, where you believe you're going, where you're at right now. And uh, um, let's just get into it. So sure. uh, the first question I want to ask you, how do you define wholeness and how has your understanding of that evolved over time? Yeah, do you know, I was looking uh, at that idea earlier and, uh, oh, yeah, it, it's changed a lot. And I was trying to think of, of how how it's changed. I think it's changed in two main ways, I would say. First of all, I should probably try and actually answer the question of what I mean by wholeness. Language. Um, yeah language um for me and words are always tricky aren't they because um and I'll I'll come on to that because that's one of the points but to me it just means that nothing's excluded Mm. I think it's probably the easiest way so it's kind of all all phenomena maybe is is the best way I can conceive of it at least anyway Mm -hmm. But for a, a long time, I mean, I've I've listened to so many different spiritual teachers in inverted commas because um, I I'm just a bit of a, a junkie or have been a bit of a junkie with stuff, and I I like to hear the same thing from lots of different people um, because they give you a slightly different way of thinking about the same thing. A lot of them will kind of describe maybe not in the words of wholeness, but they'll kind of talk about everything being consciousness, for example. And for a kind of a long, long time, I really thought I got what that meant. And it wasn't until I came across a, a guy called John Wheeler, who kind of came onto the spiritual scene and and, and did a load of videos. And then just, uh, I think he wrote a couple of books and then he just disappeared because he kind of had nothing else to say. But he, yeah. he has these eight videos and uh, is part of a radio Uh, interview he was doing and uh, they're about an hour each but in each and every one he just makes the same point over and over again and the point is that you have to to be able to distinguish in your mind between a concept and the reality that it's pointing to Mm -hmm. so where I thought I knew what wholeness was I thought I knew what what consciousness or what was meant by that I really didn't um, and I hadn't really seen through that concept. Um, yeah. I remember one time I was I was literally walking around the woods, right? And I was uh, looking intently at the trees and all the stuff, thinking, where is this? Where is this <laughs> thing that everyone keeps talking about? It's yeah. going to pop out of nowhere. That that was kind of the, the main thing. And then I think just the mind starts to get involved and complicate things. And I guess that's a good segue, you know, to, to ask you what, when did you feel like you were broken, you know, and what was that realization like for you? You know, we have this idea, there's wholeness in lots of different ways. There's like wholeness yeah. in the universe, wholeness as a human, you know, and so yeah. like in the human way, like, where did you lose that sense of wholeness? And do you remember what that was like for you? 
Do you know, I, I think I've always had a, a slight sense of being broken. It came up in, uh, was brought up in a kind of family up, uh, environment that was quite, quite chaotic um, in some ways, well, in many ways. And my, that's kind of felt through my whole family. So I've got three sisters and we all have our kind of neuroticisms around stuff and there's one common ingredient which is my mother bless her um so there there was always kind of a sense of never quite being complete mm. um and it it was really interesting to see how it manifests between me and my um my closest sister closest in age to me because i was always seen as mummy's boy she always wanted a boy you see so when she had a boy i was what they call the golden balls child Um, but that kind of manifested in a really toxic way because then my whole life has really been about trying to be somebody because that's the only way I could kind of derive value I'm I'm only not broken if I am somebody and that can only be realized through seeing it reflected back in other people you know I needed that external validation from people to say I was good at stuff or you know um just that I was successful in general kind of uh way of looking at stuff uh whereas my sister she had the opposite experience because I was golden ball she was almost completely ignored so of course her whole orientation was to not be broken by being somebody but in a, in the opposite way almost if that yeah. makes sense um but I think it really reached a, a head um when I was I run a business for the last 10 years and uh, me and my business partner um decided to kind of uh kind of call it quits and um uh he left the business but just before that I was uh, kind of desperately seeking this kind of outlet for uh, what I saw as a successful life you know lots of money and uh prestige mm-hmm. and all this stuff so I took up trading and funnily enough as part of that um, the only reason I got into meditation was because someone told me that some of the most successful traders in the world meditate. Well, I'll do that then. Um, oh, yeah. It was, it was kind of through that process and I lost a lot of money. Um, it was oh. through that process that I started to kind of really realize, uh, holy shit. Yeah, there's a, sorry for swearing. And there's a, uh, there, there's a lot of stuff under the hood here that started coming up. I'm pretty much, I think, at the end of the self-help book journey here <laughs> because yeah. I just don't, I, there has to be another way to kind of tackle this. So yeah. that was a, that was the real sense of feeling properly, properly broken. And I remember sitting in my car, actually, when when everything started to kind of go really wrong um, in life. My, my dog died and then um, the business started kind of taking a nosedive is I, I just sat in my car and I just cried and cried and cried. And the words that just kept coming up into my mind were, it's not about what I want. Life is not about what mm-hmm. I want. And oh, it was a really profound like realisation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was just, it was so obvious that it wasn't oh. about what I wanted. Um, and yeah. that, really hit, that really hit me. And it was kind okay. of a release, but kind of a dismay <laughs> at the same yeah. time what just came to me when you were saying that is that what you want at that time was really like fear driven. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't that what you want isn't important. It was that what you wanted at the time was not coming from a place of wholeness, yeah. you know, it was coming from brokenness. So you, yeah. it wasn't that what you want wasn't important. It was like what you wanted then 
isn't important. But what we want technically isn't important either. But another topic for another day. I think that, you know, and I guess that sounds like this was also a turning point for you in self-discovery, like real self-discovery, because it sounds like you were reading the books and and started meditating a little bit. But when you actually started going really in, that was that kind of that moment for you when you shifted to like true self-discovery was underneath all of it? Yeah, you know, I don't think it's been as linear as that. I I don't Mm. know if I could actually put um, a moment on it, because I think if we're I think most seekers, if they're totally honest with themselves, you know, they 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 are seeking because they they want to get something from it. They think there's something to be gained from it. Mm-hmm. And that was most definitely my view. So it was kind of like, yeah, this enlightenment thing sounds awesome. <laughs> like, why would you not want to do that? And uh, there yeah. was a deeper part there too, though, of just wanting the truth and to kind of reveal, you know, what is this? I, I've always thought, reality or life has has been a mystery it's it's always been strange to me a kind of odd predicament we find ourselves in and I'm I'm always amazed that more people don't question that you know yeah. we're on this ball of rock floating in an infinite void around a giant ball of burning hydrogen <laughs> it's like it feels like it's getting bigger though it, you know it feels <laughs> yeah. like it's growing I, I hear it more and maybe it's the algorithms or whatever my vibration but it's definitely coming a lot more like I see it in waves and waves of people I feel like there's sometimes there's like that inner self right that's like the ego and the conditioning and then there's also kind of like an outer self but what what's like your perception on those two and do you feel like they're connected or is there even a difference? Or are they the same? The inner self and the outer self. Yeah. yeah it's, you know, it's been a really interesting one, this, because it, it's only really been recently that I've really started kind of seeing the lines blurred between those two in a, in a very, uh, not in a conceptual way. Because it's, it's actually a lot, a lot of the concepts of non-duality, I think, are actually quite easy to grasp from an intellectual point of view. And you can even kind of nod at it and go, yeah, that, well, that's obvious, really, isn't it? But actually embedding that very deep within yourself is a whole different ballgame. And really, I think the only way to do that is through direct experience. And all I really mean by direct experience is you you see it for yourself. You're not just you're not just hearing someone on a on a video saying, Yeah, it's like this or this is the experience, whatever you're actually experiencing it for yourself. Some of the uh, meditations that I found most instrumental for that are Rupert Spira. Um, he has some yoga meditations and they really deal with um, dissolving the the boundary between self or what you feel is yourself and the outside world. So now when I close my eyes, and it sounds even mad to say this actually now, but th- there's no body. Yeah. There's, just, there's just no body. Like, yeah. I, I can see the body as a concept that the mind is creating. Mm-hmm. And actually, what I thought was a very solid kind of mass actually is just nothing like that in an indirect experience, you know, and you can actually see the mind layering on top the uh, the concept. But yeah. I do think there is a very real element um, between inner and outer world in the sense of, and this is one thing that kind of caught me, caught my intellectual mind in a mire for so long is in, hang on a minute, so I'm meant to be everything well then why can't I hear other people's thoughts you know why can't I hear Gina's yeah. thoughts right now um yeah. and it, it was that bit that kind of stick stuck me anyway um yeah. so thinking well 
Actually, yeah, there, there, there is a sense of a personal journey here. There is a sense of a personal self that can't be denied. It might not be what I think it is. It might not be what it seems like at first glance. It might not be a me in here that's pulling all the strings and doing all the stuff, but there definitely is a element of personal experience. And it wasn't really until I thought about it in reverse that it, it kind of clicked in. And it's like, well, yeah, there's yeah. awareness of the person not you ollie that's somehow going to start hearing other people's thoughts mm-hmm. that's the way i i see it anyway. yeah i kind of see it as like a kind of like almost like a third person view right of like mm. which is silly when you talk about it when you say it out loud but again language you know is a definitely a barrier when it comes to describing yeah. and talking about these things but yeah when you when you talk about closing your eyes when you meditate and kind of seeing yourself do you see yourself and sort of in out of body type of experience or is it more like a conceptual like light i mean i'm just curious uh, for your experience uh when you say that you close your eyes and your body sort of dissolves for people that are just meditating or learning to meditate could you describe that or not i mean we're just talking about words so now it's a it's that question of it and did that happen for you right away or was it after you sort of discovered or kind of had this realization of this experiential thing that you were that you were having Yes, yeah, it's, it's you know it's a fascinating question to ask, and I don't I don't know how I could even possibly go about answering it. I think it was more there being a very solid belief, almost as if you laugh at the question because it's so stupid. Of course, there's yeah. a body there. Why why wouldn't there be a body there? Kind of thing, and then you you start poking around and having a look, and I just mean as in, okay, well, if I close my eyes, then I should be able to experience that, mm-hmm. but that's not that not matching and they're kind of being this mismatch going on between well there's a belief here in this but when I look actually there's there's this so Mm. like an emotion can feel very solid and real but when you kind of bring your attention and move through it and around it it's like well how big is it where's (laughs) the edge of it yeah is it in my experience if I'm hearing you right now where mm. is the emotion compared to where your voice is you know mm. all those kind of questions where you start to kind of spatially uh, orientate stuff and you realize that ah, this is weird because this is not what my brain is telling me about it right how have you noticed things changing direct as a direct result of of this practice or being in your awareness or practicing awareness yeah it's, it's probably not a story most people want to hear actually <laughs> hey we're all here uh, you never know so I found that the the deeper and deeper I've gone and I I mean um the more I've been able to rest in awareness is the way I would kind of describe it rather than and that that can be a bit abstract I realize sometimes when people say that when I recognize there's an inside and an outside here and they're both within a space Right, not a spatial space, although that's one way out um, can be helpful to think about it. But they're just, there's just they're appearing somewhere, right? These feelings and emotions and thoughts and sounds and all that stuff. So when I'm resting in that place where they're appearing, mm-hmm. and the deeper and more I've managed to stay with that, the more stuff has come up, um, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of have gone through waves it almost feels like uh i'm not religious but i I have much more um much more of a a willingness to say the word god i think Mm -hmm. nowadays it's almost like god 
is kind of playing a game where it's like, ah, you've dealt with that level of emotional intensity. <laughs> next, <laughs> next, yeah, next. Now that's turning up a notch and see yeah. if you can handle, handle this kind of well, thing. And- I think you're 100,000% right. And I think anybody on a spiritual journey will attest to what you're experiencing because it, you're like the onion. I mean, it's a cheesy cliche, but you're peeling the onion and you're getting deeper and deeper. And it's almost like it's really never ending until you get to the point that you realize there's nothing there. There was never yeah. anything there. And like it was your, you made the onion. <laughs> and then that's like the holy grail or whatever. But it's, yeah, I get what you're saying. And I, I too also had that experience Um when I was going through my awareness, like deepening my relationship with myself and learning about myself, it was the same thing. Once you kind of clear something away, it's uh, something else will come up, but, and, and, you know, we get really serious about all of this stuff. And especially when it comes to like things that like our trauma and our emotions and stuff we're really attached to, but it's also kind of funny when we start thinking about it, like you were saying, like, it's so, it's so simple, but we make it so complicated. Um, do you have an example of maybe like a humorous moment on your journey that you think would be relevant to share or helpful for anybody? None. It's all been awful. No. <laughs> so I, should, I, should I almost spit on my teeth. I almost spit <laughs> on my teeth. Oh my gosh. Whew. Okay. We're um, good. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I'll have to replay. I, I spit on my teeth. Good thing I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, there, there was, this was actually really right. Well, kind of at the beginning, I was sitting on the loo of all places and uh, I don't know, I don't know what was going through my head or what, what was going on for me or whatever, but um, I had this just profound feeling, knowing or something. And I found myself just saying out loud, my God, it's just a dream <laughs> or just a dream. And then this yeah. kind of amazing feeling bubbled up within me of just mm. and again and I've struggled with the words to kind of describe it it was just elation love like just mm. release everything and I was so excited by this and of course my ego got involved almost immediately and was like you need to tell someone about this you need to tell your friend about <laughs> this kind of thing but I was still on the loo yeah so I kind of was caught between this predicament <laughs> quick finish so <laughs> yeah. So that was, yeah, that was probably the funniest. You know, it comes out of nowhere. And that's the other yeah. thing about awareness and thoughts and ideas and deepening moments is they can, they, they usually, well, for me anyway, and it seems like for you and from other people that I've listened to, they are in the mundane. It is in the really basic, simple stuff where you have the most like, oh, wow, wow. You know, we were in a in a chat that we were in, I was telling about a time I was eating, you know, a breakfast sandwich. And I'm just like looking at my sandwich, just looking at it and just having this like, whoa, <laughs> like, like, whoa, just say, and it's, those are pretty interesting, pretty cool. I don't know. See, I have this question about self-care practice, but I don't know if I, do you have a personal self-care practice that might be unconventional that kind of works for you? Yeah, I was, th- I was thinking about that. I was trying to, uh, muse on it and think what what do I do this unconventional kind of weird way of doing stuff the only thing I could think is probably really boring is just um I like playing games like P- PS5 kind of thing so I'll I'll kind of purposely and I, I do do driving as well but I thought I better not talk about that because it sounds more dangerous but driving? Just, yeah but well, maybe I maybe I will mention it with driving then um, yeah. Although it sounds it sounds on the surface really dangerous, but you'll you'll get it because you totally understand. But 
you can just just watch yourself drive mm-hmm. and it's a really interesting thing to do for me and it's like oh i'm doing this now oh, i'm braking now <laughs> I'm mm. oh, awareness stopped. driving it's like driving in yeah. awareness i freaking love that that is yeah. awesome i people like feel like when they're driving that's a great thing to bring up because people are driving i don't think they're aware especially yeah. that because people act from their unconscious all the time Screaming yeah. at people, honking at people, flying past. It's one of my favorite yeah. things to do is to, if I'm driving somewhat slow, I, I'm not an aggressive driver. I drive average, average. I just slow, whatever. If I'm going to a red light, I slow down and I'm like, well, the red light's coming, right? I'm not going to speed up. And it's how mm-hmm. you'd be surprised how often people are honking at me and yeah. driving around me to get to the red light. <laughs> so I'm like, and then I laugh and I laugh because I just like, this is life. This yeah. is everybody in life right now honking and driving around each other to get to the red light (laughs) well the reason i was cautious about it is because i i went to um a mindfulness course once and uh, i brought this up then and there was a lady that tried it as well and she's she had a completely different experience to me because she then couldn't remember how to change the gears she was like all over the place with it because and um, there's actually four four stages of learning something, which I don't know if you're aware of the four stages, mm. which is where your um, unconscious incompetence is the first one. Mm. So you're watching your parents drive and you think, ah, oh, it's easy. Then you get um, conscious incompetence, which is when you start to learn to drive and go, oh, yeah, now, now I'm actually aware that I can't drive. Um, <laughs> Then you have uh, conscious competence. So you're aware that you're competent, but you're always paying, you know, you're just looking in the mirror at the right times, you're super conscious, clutch movements, all that kind of stuff. And then the final stage is unconscious competence, where you can just do a whole journey and not even think about it. And it's just, it's just effortlessly done. So it's almost as if for her, she'd gone back to conscious competence again, or even conscious incompetence. Yeah because she was thinking about it and I find actually that's one of the most powerful mindfulness techniques I can ever do with driving because it it really forces you to really realize and I've had quite a few of my insights and and bursting into tears and stuff have come from that driving because you just have a real very in your face seeing that I'm not doing this (laughs) this is being done this driving is being done and I'm watching it. That to me is awareness, right? And to be mm. able to do that in all the moments and everything mm. that's happening, like the thoughts that come up when you're in an argument, you can have that same exact idea of like, oh, this is something that's being done. Like I'm not, I, I am not doing this. It's being done in my mind. And I think all of these things help us to start to, realize that we that we are whole and we are part of this oneness and this allness because none of it is really coming from our true us it's all coming from this brain mind experience that we're all having there's a lot of people out there who are still just starting off or just realizing or just finally knowing like the moment you had where you're like oh there's got to be something else and it is growing and it is getting bigger but for anybody out there who's still kind of perceiving themselves in this broken state or not sure where to start or anything. Is there any maybe advice that you would want to give somebody directly to them, like from Ollie to you that, that to say, here's something about 
being broken or not, just any source of wisdom. I know you got a lot of it (laughs) to share. (laughs) Yeah, I would say look very closely at what I call the second voice. And this is the, the, the sneaky part of the ego. So it's almost like the ego separates itself and then comments on itself. And it's the the kind of notion that, yeah, I can see thoughts coming and going. And then I have my own thoughts. So it's this kind of separation between, yeah, some thoughts I have and some thoughts are automatic. Whereas when you really kind of get deeper into presence and being able to see, you'll really start to notice that it's actually this second voice that's the real problem as it were, because it's this second voice is the one that's commenting. So I'll give you a more practical example of that. Let's say you have a a negative thought of something. I don't know. Oh, I'm a failure. Right. And then you have a, a kind of an emotional reaction to that. That emotional reaction is what I'm calling the second voice. It's the one that's bothered by the thought. Mm -hmm. Right. It's the one that's going oh, I'm doubting about this spiritual journey and I don't don't know if I'm getting anywhere with it. Uh, Have I recognized presence or not? I don't know. Why has that person got it and I haven't got it? It's comparing, it's judging. It really is very convincing because it makes us feel like it is us. It's it's the real one in here. Yeah, yeah. There's that ego thing over there and we're trying to get rid of that, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it kind of is so persuasive that actually it is the one that you really want to start to unpick and just by unpick I just mean as in give it space but Mm -hmm. don't be fooled by it recognize it as often as you can in as many things as you can and if you do that eventually it will start to be seen clearer and for what it is and in doing that um you'll see that you were never broken in the first place. Sentiment reminds me a lot about the book, uh, The Untethered Soul. Michael Singer. Michael Singer, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's a lot about what's in there. You know, the roommate in your mind. I like how you separated it too. You said, well, there's the roommate, but then there's the reaction to it. So there's almost like two parts to that roommate. There's the first part where you hear it and the second part where you react to it. So I like the way you, you split that up. So I want to say thank you so much for being my first guest on my new adventure here or mini adventure or who knows how many. I'm super grateful for you and your time and your energy and for sharing. So towards the end of this interview, it kind of got switched around a little bit and Ollie asked me some questions and it was pretty cool. So I think I'm going to do a part two to this. So be on the lookout. Um, If you enjoyed this, please like, subscribe, comment, all the things. And thank you so much for joining us today. See you next time.